Thanks for listening to episode 206 of the 200 Churches Podcast. We have soldiers spread all across the entire area of operation, uh, across the entire country of Afghanistan, on several different bases. As the battalion chaplain, it's my responsibility to offer the religious support by being there in person to offer those services to those uh, service members. So that involves quite a bit of travel. But field services may consist of as small as just two or three people. It's really heartwarming, actually, to see that desire that, yeah, the chaplain's only here once a month. Uh, I only get to worship corporately once a month, but I'm going to make sure I do it because it's that important to me. Welcome to the 200 Churches Podcast, where every Wednesday we produce a fresh episode of ministry encouragement for pastors of small churches. Now here are two guys who, like you, serve in the trenches of small church ministry, the Wright Brothers of Ministry Podcasts, Jeff and Johnny. This is the 200 Churches Podcast. My name is Jeff Cady. I'm here in the opulent and luxurious 200 Churches Podcast studio, uh, but I'm here by myself because Johnny... You are not with me today. You're not in the leather chair. You're not across the table. It's terrible, isn't it? I feel like I feel like I'm a phony and a fraud. I kind of like it this I've way. Left you. <laughs> I'm not surprised to hear that. No, it's you know, it's. Uh, I mean, I get the best of both worlds. I get your voice on the podcast for your on-air talent, but I don't have to sure. look at your face. I bet you do like that. That that is the best of both worlds for you, isn't it? <laughs> Are you drinking my oh, Diet Coke, too? You know, I haven't had any Diet Coke tonight. I've been trying to lay low uh, after, you know, after after supper time, try to lay low on the caffeine. Try to get to bed by 2 a.m. Hey, how is your Christmas break going with your family in central Iowa? It's going very, very well. It's so much fun for my kids to be at their grandparents' houses that then it's more fun for all of us, I think. And we both, Kayla and I, both of our families live in the same town and we have great parents. So it's really, it's nice. It's fun. It's, we went to a movie tonight and, and grandma watched the kids. So we like that aspect of it because that doesn't happen when we're in Orange City, but it's good. It's very, very good. That's phenomenal. Johnny, you're making me feel so old. I remember those days. I oh, re- yeah? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I do. I remember them. And this year I didn't travel at all. You know, we haven't really seen sure. our, we haven't seen all of our kids yet, and we're going to see them on New Year's. But uh, yeah, so you're making me feel old. You're out. You're you're ooting a boot and uh, having a good time. So I'm glad. So hey, today episode 205, we have 206. Uh, 206. I'm so behind the times. I'm so like 2016. <laughs> yeah, what's wrong with you? <laughs> we have uh we have a relative of yours on today. This is this is pretty yeah. cool. And talk about Skyping somebody. You know, I'm Skyping you in here today and mm-hmm. we we Skyped your brother David all the way from Afghanistan. How was that for you to talk to him? That was pretty wild. We've chatted via iMessage or, you know, a WhatsApp app. So just via, you know, text basically. But to hear him on the on the phone basically was uh, it was crazy. It was a lot of fun though. Yeah, he's been deployed to Afghanistan now since the spring, and we all miss him and you know want him to come home soon. And it was fun to be able to talk to him and actually spend some of that time on the phone. I tell you what though, it was like David is is such a jokester and so like you know he's he's this big gregarious you know kind of thing. He's so professional on the podcast. I barely knew 
It was him. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. He said the same thing about you, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's ever accused me of being professional on the podcast. You know that one part that we talked about? I did. I did snip it out. Oh, did you really? Yeah, I had well, to snip it, was fun it out. For me. It yeah. was fun for me. Yeah. Well, now see. Now I know when you tell me things are inappropriate to do, I probably should listen to you a little bit more. <laughs> because you know you know that it's funny, but not everybody would you know get the joke. So sure, sure, that's true. So David talks about uh, his uh, his ministry as a chaplain in Afghanistan. He had some yeah. uh, some interesting perspectives and some good perspectives for pastors of small churches. So what do you say we get right into it? Yeah, why not? It's a it's a great episode, and I think even you know even though he's a chaplain across the world. What he's experiencing, I still think, can be beneficial to pastors here. And he speaks so highly of small churches and small church pastors. So, yeah, let's just get right to the action. We are on the line all the way from where, Johnny? I don't know if I'm allowed to say where you're at, David. Afghanistan. I can say that. Somewhere in Afghanistan, we have Chaplain David Craig. David is Johnny's brother. So at this point, I'm going to bow out of the conversation <laughs> as Johnny and his brother have a conversation from one continent to another. You have great questions, I'm sure. David, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. What time of the day is it there in Afghanistan? It's about 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, but a weird thing is, though, that we're here in Iowa and you're in Afghanistan in a spot where it's a half an hour difference. What's up with the half hours? How can we do this? I thought every time zone was just an hour different. You know, I thought that, too, until you you pass. Well, when we got to Kuwait, I think that's it was still an hour. And then we went east of Kuwait, and that's where the half an hour thing came into play Hmm. so So is there like a half an hour for half a time zone and then the other time zones another half an hour i would have to assume on that one um (laughs) that that would be a yes that's funny uh, i I knew that because my brother-in-law was in afghanistan uh years ago and uh, it was the same situation he was a he was a half hour off and i had never known it till then so david what are your responsibilities as a chaplain in uh, at the assignment that you're at right now? Primary responsibility is pr- to provide uh, religious support for all of the soldiers who are serving on Title 10 to ensure that they have the right to worship freely as they so choose and to work with the battalion commander to designate times of worship and places of worship, make sure that those are set aside so that the soldiers have the free access to worship as, as they see as they need Along with that, in offering the religious support to also offer the moral, the ethical, the spiritual compass, so to speak, for the soldiers to act as a moral guiding light and um, in doing so to keep the morale high and keep the, the vision focused moving forward. How many chaplains are there at the base where you are right now? That is actually an OPSEC question, which is just operational security. Oh, okay. Um, okay. I, I'm sorry, I can't really answer that question. Here's how I'll ask it then. 
Are you in a situation where you're uh, ministering to people with way different denominational backgrounds than you? Like, I would assume you're, you know, the Christian soldiers come to you, and, and if somebody's a different religion, they wouldn't expect a Christian chaplain to minister to them. But are you just like across denominations right now? There are different services set up at different times on the base. I have actually the opportunity and the privilege to serve on the staff of a later service, which is more liturgical. Okay. Uh, so definitely outside of my background, as far as, you know, the free church, Baptistic, you know, we don't have a liturgy, we don't follow the calendar, so to speak. But I have loved every minute of serving in that group. I've really come to cherish the daily office readings and um, everything that goes along with the church calendar. That's a, That's very cool to hear. About how many... Now I'm all worried about these OPSEC questions about how many, you know, soldiers or, or contractors, whoever is there on the base are, are coming to your services. Right now, the numbers are down uh, probably anywhere from 20 to 30 uh, percent just due to holiday travel. Contractors are not bound in the same way that the military personnel are. So if you're a service member, you obviously don't get to really pick when you get to go on leave. Right. But if you're a contractor, you have more of a liberty as far as that goes. So a lot of those guys went home to spend the holidays with their family. About how many do you think are coming to service? I mean, just in, in the middle of October, say, how many are you averaging, you think? The contemporary service, I'm not I'm not sure if, if this is an opposite question or not. You know, just think of uh, around the triple digit mark, right? Ours is 40% of that on any given Sunday. The contemporary service is is much more like a non-denominational live band and everything. And then the Catholic mass has about the same as the contemporary. Where, Where do you get musical instruments for a live band on the base in Afghanistan? Oh, people bring their own. It's crazy. Really? We have, you know, full full drum and wow. and like eight guitarists and a whole full choir. People love to love to worship, love to love to take part, love to contribute. Yeah, the contemporary service definitely gets rocking. So what difference do you see ministering to soldiers in that context than you think you might see if you were if you were back somewhere in central Iowa and you were ministering to a similarly sized group of people? My primary focus is for the green suitors and for for the what uh the the military personnel okay so at any given service there's going to be a mixture there's going to be military personnel and there's going to be contractors it's not that i don't take time to offer counseling and hope for the contractors but the the primary day-to-day hours put in are for the service members that's why i'm here I'm not here to necessarily provide that religious support to the contractors. Again, that's not to say I would deny it to them, but my my focus is for the for the soldiers. Sure, that's one one difference right away off the top. Because in the congregation back back let's say in Iowa, I'm going to be there for everybody. Everyone's going to get the equal amount of time. Second, the chapel should never be thought of as as a church, the, the two are really not the same. The chapel attendees, whereas they can participate, be actively involved, and help out in so many different ways, 
there's not really this a congregational vote on things. There's not should we vote to change the color of the carpet, you know, that type of thing. Everything is pretty much mandated. This is the funding you're going to get. These are the supplies you're going to get. And this is the way the service is going to be run. Beyond that, in a congregation, in a church congregation, what brings, what unites a congregation together? It's the it's that unification of saying that we have covenanted together and we believe these core doctrines to be true. We believe we believe in these set principles, and we believe that as a congregation, as a group of people, there is no such thing in a chapel service. You can have people from widely varying backgrounds coming together because they want to worship the Lord Jesus Christ, but there's not that unifying statement that they're all signing off on or, or covenanting together. That's definitely the the biggest one from the spiritual a- aspect of it. David, obviously we focus and talk to uh, small church pastors here on this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, and you, you've done pastoral work in Iowa, you haven't necessarily had your own parish or, or however you know you want to talk about it, but you've certainly done interim work, you've preached, uh, you've done work in churches, uh, counseling work and things like that. How do you think working in small churches prepared you to do what you're doing now? And then after you say that, maybe, how do you think what you're doing now will prepare you to come back to the United States and, and serve We'll assume in a small church just because most churches are small churches. Not that you have to, but let's just say, you know, that's the question. How how did it equip you for what you're doing, and how is what you're doing now going to equip you coming back? Well, let me just start off by saying right away that I truly believe that a church of 50 is a healthy, strong church. Some pastors might look at that number and have, you know, two or three times that many and, and, and say, well, I, I, I don't know about that. Or even some people may be less than 50, but I think that's a really good, healthy size. Yeah. So I really appreciate that question. First of all, I'd say that in the, the service that we run, it's definitely smaller than 50. Going and ministering to uh, smaller churches back in Iowa, some as small as uh, just a few dozen, you know, just like maybe 20 people at the most, prepares you to to be more open to an, an intimate worship mode on Sundays, a more of an intimate feel to the worship, and be able to connect with people better, and be able to connect and remember more about each individual. Sure. Also, to see how each individual plays that much more of importance, and when they're gone, they're missed that much more as well. I'd say just ministering in the smaller congregations back home and being refined, I guess, in ministry to the point and being able to focus on more of an individual one-on-one and, and develop stronger relationships that way has really helped me develop relationships, not only with service members I only see on Sundays, but also with uh, the contractors. Yeah. And then taking that, uh, not just having the services here uh, at the at the base where I am, but as we travel, uh, we travel constantly. We're in a we're either in a plane or on a helicopter multiple times a week. So I've already traveled this week multiple times, and I'll travel again in the coming days. Are uh, Are you following a certain group of soldiers? We have soldiers spread all across the entire area of operation, uh, across the entire country of Afghanistan, on several different bases. As the battalion chaplain, it's my responsibility to offer the religious support by being there in person 
to offer those services to those uh, service members. So that involves quite a bit of travel. But field services may consist of as small as just two or three people. It's really heartwarming, actually, to see that desire that, yeah, the chaplain's only here once a month. Uh, I only get to worship corporately once a month, but I'm going to make sure I do it because it's that important to me. And I, I and these are soldiers and, and, and contractors who crave that open worship of our Lord. So it's really encouraging and it's challenging at the same time because it's, it's just a reminder that we have we have it pretty easy back in the States. Um, there's lots of churches all the way around and you have lots of different options. But when it's all taken away, maybe you aren't so familiar with that form of worship, but you're still willing to get used to it just so that you can. So, so David, I want to make sure I heard this right. Uh, you have to sometimes travel to go out to some outpost somewhere where there's just a handful of people that may want to meet for a time of worship. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that yep. to me, that's uh, that's that's actually our our small churches sometimes, right? We only have maybe a dozen or more people that want to get together and worship, and the federal government is sending you into some of these places. They they deem it important enough for those two or three or four people to have a time of worship that they would actually put you on a, some kind of a of a plane or a helicopter to get to these uh, men or women. And uh, I think that's, that's interesting, and that speaks to the importance of us uh, in smaller churches, that the numbers, the numbers are really unimportant as shepherding God's people. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely incredible that the federal government, our government, they deem the open practice and open worship to be such an integral part and value of our lives that they have the chaplain corps as strong as they do. Since this is a NATO country, I've come into contact with several different chaplains from other countries. The way that the other chaplains run things are a little bit different. The other militaries have much smaller chaplain corps. The chaplains perhaps have maybe a little bit bigger attendance or whatnot at their services, but that's because their entire, let's say, 500 to 1,000 soldiers are here, and they only have one chaplain. It's quite interesting. What kind of issues are common among those people that you're serving right now in your situation? You know, what what are you seeing from these soldiers that you're having to counsel and minister into? And then where do you where do you get the strength to do that? Because I imagine that some of this stuff is kind of rough. It's something new every day. That's, that's for sure. Drama, the nah, day goes by without some. So <laughs> <laughs> there's there's constant drama. Stress with leadership is, is always a big one. Hmm. That's probably... That is probably the the most constant constant thing I hear, and it's it's interesting because it just shows a unit can have an absolutely wonderful leader, and there are still going to be people who are upset. Sure. So that sounds uh, like a, that sounds like that's... a church, David. That that sounds <laughs> like a church to me. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> exactly. I'm sure there I'm sure there are many pastors listening uh, right now who are like, oh yeah. <laughs> yep, I can, I can think of that. The struggle, the struggle comes when you have the soldiers who come in who have, who honest to goodness don't profess uh, the Christian faith, have no desire to even learn about the Christian faith, have 
have no, they have nothing to, nothing to rely on or nothing to um, be founded or grounded upon other than what they uh, have deemed as, as, as whatever they deem as, as the truth. That's really the biggest challenge probably because soldiers by and large are not very religious people. Hmm. Just working on that curve is a challenge in and of itself. Sure. Also, going along with that, the, the interesting questions that come about, because the vast majority, overwhelming investment, I'd say north of 80%, probably close to 90%, have no church background whatsoever. Sure. They've been unchurched their entire lives. They, they have no biblical concept whatsoever. Wow. And so you have to, when you're approaching that in counseling, that's a that's a real challenge because you want to obviously lead those people to the realization that truth is not necessarily found within themselves. But then at the same time, you have to be true to their needs in the counseling session. So sure. there's there's that fine balance between the receptiveness to the gospel. And hey, you are my chaplain, and I really need to talk to somebody, and I don't want faith to come up at all. Oh, sure, so, that would be hard. That's probably the number one biggest struggle across the board. And and then to go along with that is is because this is a constant battle within the within the United States military, right? This is a a struggle. The chaplain's supposed to be there to offer the religious support. And in doing so, they are supposed to raise the morale and act as the moral compass. So other things that fall under my responsibilities include care packages. So this is just an example, but since we got here in midsummer, so we've been here for about six months, and in six months' time, we've received well over 2,000 care packages from all over the United States. These uh, They've come from almost every single state out there hundreds and and sometimes oh i think one week we had almost 300 come in wow. in one week wow and so just you know handling that right well then you're focusing on the morale aspect so you're handing out care packages and and we run the free x um it's part of my office so my office is my office is about the size of a large uh, living room. But in my office, we have my computer and my desk, my assistant's computer and his desk. Um, and then we have all the free items. So these are the items that come in, in care packages. So from all these 2,000 plus care packages, we have shelves that reach up all the way to the ceiling. The ceiling in here is probably about 12 or 14 feet. All the shelves are just packed with everything you can imagine with chips and and breakfast foods and crackers and popcorn beef jerky and and toiletries you name it we have sure and so you're dealing with the morale but the primary focus of the chaplain is not actually the morale it's the religious support and so this is the constant struggle sure this is where the advisement to the command comes into play because on the flow chart if you look at the flow chart um in any organization you know you have the top dog and then the assistant managers underneath um, him or her well on the flow chart in the army you have the battalion commander and he's going to be the he or she's the top dog and then you know you have the dot lines going vertically underneath him but if you have a, a horizontal line 
a dotted horizontal line going off to um, the battalion commander's left, and then you put in another square box, you would insert the chaplain. Oh, okay. So I really answer to no one other than the BC, which makes it for a very unique situation. And the Lord. Amen to that. (laughs) So it creates a unique situation because... I'm his personal advisor, and I have to do these reports, these monthly reports that are roll up on all the counselings I've done without naming the specific names of the soldiers, yeah. the issues that they've brought, the issues that they've brought to my attention. Um, and there's like a list of 20 different, you know, suicide ideations or financial, marital, relational, inner office conflicts, redeployment, stress, all of these different, all of these different counseling needs. However, if I'm seeing a, a certain trend, then I need to take that specifically to the battalion commander, the BC, and you say, sir or ma'am, this is a specific problem that's systemic in our organization. Sure. And I have the right, I have the right as the chaplain to do that. But that again goes back to the morale versus the religious. And I would argue or I would contend that Part of a soldier's morale is whether that soldier can worship freely hmm. and openly, hmm. what he or she may believe. So do we have Muslim soldiers? Yes. Do we have Catholic soldiers? Yes. Do we have atheist soldiers? Yes. Are there Wiccan soldiers out there? Yes. Well, I may not agree with some of their beliefs. It's still my responsibility to ensure that they have the right to worship as they deem fit. Sure. And again, I would say that that ties into the morale aspect, but I think it's wrong when you just simply focus on the morale. And that, and that has been, I bring this up because that's been a contention over the past decade or so that the chaplain benefits of a chaplain or the duties of a chaplain are being blurred. The lines are being blurred. Run the, run the, um, Run the MWR events. So these are the events for like the barbecues and whatnot. Sure. To boost and make people happy. But at the end of the day, you take away a, a, a core right of an individual that's going to lower the individual's morale, even if you do a hundred different things to boost it. Sure. We need an army events coordinator. We have them. That's, oh, okay. that's what's crazy. There, there, there are all these different special staff um, in existence, yet the most famous by far is the chaplain, because all these other, the equal opportunity and, and the sharp, that's the sexual harassment, and, and um, the MWR and the MRT, the uh, resiliency uh, trainer, they're all probably a decade old. But the chaplaincy goes back to 1775. So. Sure, I see what you're saying. There's, it's a legacy situation now. Okay. Well, David, this has been good, and I'm gonna. We ask a lot of our guests for this. I'm gonna ask you for this. I think we, you've connected some dots between what you're doing and small church ministry. But do you have, and stay on the line after you know we wrap this up. But do you have any parting shots for small church pastors out there who need some encouragement? Do you have a word from? over the ocean and, and through the <laughs> woods for uh, small church pastors? I, yes. I'm glad that you asked about that. My answer is yes. So you asked me, where do I find my strength to keep going? Because there are some days that are just beyond frustrating, and I'm sure in any ministry. So anyone who's listening who has a ministry right now can fully relate to 
there are days that you just want to hang up your hat and be like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. But what I found is, I, I touched base on this earlier when you asked me about what service I've been involved in. Yeah. And I've, I've been involved in the more liturgical service. And um, my devotionals have actually been, I've just fully gone over to the daily office readings. And those have been so refreshing and so encouraging. And not just to me, so a few months ago, I started writing a, a, a short, very short blip, like a six-line six line word of the day, devotional or whatever you want to call it. And I shared it with a few soldiers, and that grew to a few more. And now there's like 200 people that get this every single day here in Afghanistan, all over the entire country. And that's what really keeps me going, is just the, the daily office readings. If you're a pastor and you've never heard of that, uh, I would greatly encourage you to go to just Google this one phrase, daily office ESV. And uh, the, first, the first link that comes up, you just click on that link and it will just, and you can just do that every single day. And it's just going to have the daily office ratings and they're just phenomenal. They really show how, how awesome the Bible just connects with itself because they have a, it's an Old Testament psalm an Old Testament reading, a New Testament epistle, and a New Testament gospel. And the readings every single day, this is what's cool, right? Because we've, we've had these liturgical readings for hundreds of years, and the readings just always connect. So it's like you read this passage in the Old Testament that connects with the New Testament. The psalm connects with the gospel. It, it just is a great reminder of how how awesome and inspired the, the Word of God is. And it all connects to your life, right? Oh, yes, yes. Every, it's amazing. Every, you know, the scriptures are, are always the, the right words when you need them the most. So, Cool. Well, David, hey, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for uh, shepherding and ministering to people, like you said, some without any church or Bible background whatsoever. And, you know, I got to think that you're planting some seeds that uh, aren't going to sprout until after these men and women get back home and into a different context. But you know, you're you're a link in the chain of the story God's writing in their lives, and uh, we just want to thank you for putting yourself over there and serving these guys like this. Great, that was great, David. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. You know, Johnny, you don't have to wait to record a podcast episode in order to talk to your brother. You know, this technology exists <laughs> even over at your house. <laughs> I know it. I it's like I said, we talk, we chat. I think he prefers to just text yeah. sometimes. Yeah. But it was uh yeah, that was very cool and a lot of fun. And I, I hope that my family uh, is listening. If you're listening, family, I hope you enjoyed that conversation because it was. It was a lot of fun to catch up, and, and we will again, I think. I'm sure that they did. And, uh, you know, you and I had talked about uh, this this concept of him going out. Uh, I guess he says he's traveling all the time anyway, uh, but going to these, like, remote areas where you've just got handfuls of uh, military yeah. where you, you know, that want to get together. So I suppose you go somewhere where there's maybe 30 or 40 uh, troops and maybe five or six of them want to get together for a service. So you're really, you're dropping into these places with, with just a handful. And what if, what if a chaplain had this idea that, you know what, I, I don't have enough troops. 
I don't have enough troops to drop in there. We're just going to, we'll just leave <laughs> right. them down there. It's really spoke to me in terms of, you know, we look at our churches. It doesn't matter what size our church is. There are people that want to worship God. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. He, it was really cool to hear him talk about um, the work he had done in small churches. And some of that happened off air too, I know. But then how that you know, translates to what he's doing, you know, with these small groups of, of men and women on these bases. And uh, very cool. Totally different. We've never talked to a chaplain, military or hospital or otherwise. So this was a first. And it happened to me and my brother, which made it, I think, really great. Yeah, the closest thing I could find in our podcast history was episode 72 with Dave Ronan, uh, who works. Sure. You know, he's in the military and he's a military instructor. Uh, But we we talked about we talked about ministry, but he drew from lessons that he had learned overseas uh, doing cross-cultural work uh, overseas. So that was the closest thing I could find. Johnny, um, I. I'm usually the one that gives uh, the parting shots to small church pastors. Uh, but but for those that are listening, what do you have to say to pastors of small churches who, uh, at this as we are recording this, is kind of in the dead of, dead of winter for a lot of the country. Of course, if you're in Australia, we hope you're enjoying the summer. Uh, but for some of us, we're in the cold, we're in the dark most of the day. Uh, you know, things might get discouraging. Uh, help us out here, Johnny. Give us give us some encouragement. Well, you know, I think I think about pastors coming off of Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and you might have had your biggest your biggest group of people since Easter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like those are the big ones. Uh, and now you're out and you're back at it, and you're going to run your 20 people, your 40 people, your 100 people this Sunday, and it, it's going to feel like a letdown. Right, it's gonna feel like a letdown from from where you just had it a couple weeks ago. But you gotta remember, you're doing work in the lives of people, and every one of those people is connected to other people. Uh, and so, when you minister to somebody, when you take time and spend it counseling somebody, when you open up the Word of God, right, which we believe is powerful, and you share it with a group of people, and you and you really take time to love people well through your preaching, through your counsel, through your relationships, you're not just impacting one person. You're now changing the way they're going to live and impact in their communities. How is that impact going to ripple out into those people's communities? And the difference you make in your small church just goes on and on and on in ways that you'll never be able to appreciate or fathom probably, but you have to trust, you know, we plant those seeds and God is going to grow something beautiful from it. So don't get discouraged if you have a New Year's Day letdown or a February swoon or anything like that, because it's important work. It's important work uh, working in small churches, and never, ever forget that. Man, your words take me back. Take me back to about 1969, 1970, Johnny, when there were people in the house next door to me, and we were just this, we were just this little rugrat family. You know that nobody really yeah. needed to pay any attention to, um, but this uh, this neighbor paid some attention and and shared the gospel and invited and it changed my life and changed my kids' lives. Uh, now I've got grandkids and what you said about ripple effects. It's now so you got a true. podcast. 
talking to pastors. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> because right. of that. It's, you know, yeah. just the ripple. And speaking of that, we've uh, we've been able to hear from a lot of pastors lately. In fact, Johnny, I was just on the phone with one from New York uh, this afternoon for about 20, 20 30 minutes. He's starting right. he's starting a podcast for Christian school educators and principals. Wow. Looking out there, there aren't any out there. Uh, he couldn't find any. So find I, your niche, baby. Was, find your niche. Yeah, that was kind of interesting. And uh, I'm so. I'm, hopefully, I'm going to be on the phone with, with one tomorrow. Uh, we're we're kind of in the we're kind of in the quiet days of the holidays here, so I got a little bit of time to do that. But you know, we're small church pastors first, right? And uh, uh, we, we we send these guys to uh, people like Dave Jacobs and Ray yeah. Hollenbach. Uh, mm-hmm. So. Hey, Johnny, good to talk to you. Uh, when, when do you think you're going to be back? I, I mean, are, are you coming back like before the new year? <laughs> hey, I got to teach uh, I got to teach somebody Sunday school. I'm teaching kids on New Year's Day. So, yeah, I'll be there. And you better be here. Let's get going. I'll... Get back in the saddle. <laughs> <laughs> you know me. I'll work no play, Jeff. I'll work no play. All right. Well, hey, good. I'm so glad that you guys could join us, men and women, small church pastors far and wide. Uh, we're looking forward to the new year and looking forward to a lot of great guests in the future and encouragement for you in your 200 Church ministry. Thanks for listening to this episode of the 200 Churches Podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and inspired by this episode of the 200 Churches Podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe at 200churches.com and receive the guy's free PDF download called Our 7 Favorite Ministry Resources. You can count on us to be back next Wednesday with another brand new shiny episode just for you. Until then, may God bless you as you lead and love the people in your 200 Church. I think, yeah, I think that's good. That's okay. Good. Okay, so this is 206. Who did the intro? You did. Yep. Okay. You're a good man, Jeff Katie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Duty calls. The rest of the world is on vacation. <laughs> okay, so talk, talk the way you're going to talk. Okay, this is how I'm probably going to talk. I'm worried about getting too much louder than this. Okay, that should is that be good. okay? Okay. That should be good. So. Okay. Yeah, 25 minutes. I think it'll be good. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Let's just. Uh, well, just we'll keep talk. it quick on the in and out, and we'll be good. That's awesome. Well, this was fun, David. Thank you very much for the podcast, but it was nice just to talk, too. Yeah, thank you for having me on. 